So Papa's dead. All right, I'm starting. I'm getting started. Right. Yeah. Shh. I'm gonna be. All right. God bless you, my beloved. This is Minister S. M. Crockett Jr. with Jesus Christ Our Lord Christian Fellowship. Coming to you with the first of our two weekly installments of the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel. We're going to continue tonight. In Ephesians, we're going to begin chapter 3. We're going to try to cover the first seven verses. If we get that far, good. If we don't, it's all good. Ephesians 3, 1 through 7. So once we finish Ephesians chapter 3, we'll be halfway through the letter. Ephesians has six chapters. And so what I'll probably do is once I finish chapter 3, I'll probably do a brief review of what uh, uh, chapters 1 through 3 talked about. And then we'll move into chapters 4, 5, and 6. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to try to do 1 through 7 tonight. We'll at least do most of that, if not all of it. We hope everything's okay with you, all right with you. We hope that you're still practicing your social distancing. And we pray that you are still uh, using the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in uh, wearing a mask etc. You can see how the coronavirus is exploding in certain states and um, you know because one reason is people these leaders listened to President Trump instead of listening to the medical authorities. So when you don't listen to the true prophets, you, know, you listen to the false prophets, you pay the ultimate price. Alright, so that's another story for another day. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the privilege of mentioning your name. In the name of your dear Holy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion, both now and forever. We pray that you will grant us, by your grace, by your mercy, you will grant us a correct revelation, a correct understanding of your word. We pray that you will help us to understand your word in context. We pray, Lord God, that your word would, would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We pray, Lord God, that we would have the wisdom, knowledge, understanding, passion, and, and hunger for you to obey your every precept, Lord, to, break, to obey your every command, to, to obey your every statute, Lord God. We know that this is the way that we cleanse ourselves continually from the defilement of the world and that we may be vessels of honor, worthy to be used by you. Blessed be your name. We pray that preaching and teaching all over the world will bear fruit and gifts of the Holy Spirit. We rejoice in those churches that you are sustaining. Even though they cannot physically meet, you are sustaining them by your power and your glory. We bless you and we praise you through, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory, power, majesty, kingdom, and eternal dominion forever and ever. All right, Ephesians chapter 3. Let me read verses 1 through 7. Ephesians chapter 3. Let me read verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read from the New American Standard Bible. Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 7. Here we go. Let's see here. Let me find it. Let's see Galatians. And then Ephesians, the, the, the letter written to the Ephesian Christians by the Apostle Paul. Okay, Ephesians 3, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, 
for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. To be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 7. Let me read that to you again, this time in the King James Version. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of, the, of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. All right, Ephesians 3, 1 through 7. Let's see if we can get through those seven verses tonight. And if not, we certainly will get through them by Sunday and possibly even more. All right, Ephesians 3 and 1. Let's see, I lost my place here. Sorry about that. Ephesians 3 and 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. The Holy Apostle glories in the fact that he is the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Most people, if they're in prison, they, they, they don't glory in that. But Paul says, I am the, because Ephesians is one of what's called the prison epistles. One of the letters Paul wrote while in the Roman prison. And so he glories in the fact that he is the, this, this shows the mature Christian. This is not... Some, somebody who got saved yesterday. He glories in the fact that he is a prisoner. Now, of course, he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ because he's bound to the covenant, uh, the, new, the, the new covenant. So he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ, as we all should be, uh, in, in the sense that he's, he's bound to the gospel. But he's, he's speaking literally. Also, he says, I am the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. He's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's literally in a Roman prison. And we're talking about Roman prison. We're not talking about a nice prison like we might have today with cable TV and, and uh, uh, all the, some of the amenities that you might see in some prisons today. He's in a dark, dank Roman prison chained to a Roman guard. This was the will of God. The, the Lord told Paul when he first saved him, you, you will suffer. Uh, I, I will send you to kings, the Gentiles, the Jews, and you will suffer greatly for my name's sake. And because God cannot lie, it had to come to pass. So the Holy Apostle glories in the fact that he is the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He reminds his listeners that he is a prisoner for their benefit. And so what we see here is God using one person to suffer for the benefit of others. 
And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, can God use us to suffer for the benefit of others? Paul said in another place, I believe it's in one of the letters to Timothy, I suffer all things for the elect's sake that they may obtain the glory, the salvation that's in Jesus Christ. I suffer all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation, the glory that's in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we saved only for our benefit? Or are we willing to suffer so that someone else may be saved or someone else may be um, edified so that somebody else may be built up? Are we, are we willing to suffer for Jesus, but also to suffer for Jesus' people? As Paul says right here, he says, I am the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Remember, this is one of the prison epistles. Ephesians, Philippians, and I can't remember the other two. They're, they're prison epistles, I believe, First uh, and Second Timothy. But Paul, Colossians is probably one. Please forgive me if I don't remember all the prison epistles. They weren't a lot. There are about four or five of them. But I know that Ephesians is one of them. All right, three, two. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me for you or toward you. All right. A dispensation of the gospel was committed to the apostle Paul. A dispensation is a time period that God uses to accomplish certain things. Uh, um, the, the Greek word literally means um, house management. So Paul is saying that I've been given uh, a position of stewardship. Remember, Paul said in 1 Corinthians he says, I'm a wise master builder, and I've laid the foundation, and everyone should take heed how they build upon that foundation. For other foundation can no one lay except that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Paul says the dispensation of the gospel. There have been, some people say, as many as eight different dispensations in the Bible, the dispensation of conscience, the dispensation of the law, where, where God gave the law to Moses at Mount Sinai. Right now, we are living in the same dispensation that Paul is talking about, uh, that he was talking about. We are living in the dispensation of grace. We are living in the dispensation of grace. And so often when you see sin go unchallenged or unchecked, often it's because we're living in the dispensation of God's grace. It's not that God has fallen asleep or forgotten or that he has uh, said, you know, I don't care about sin anymore because he certainly does. He cares about sin so much that he sent his dear son, Jesus Christ, to die at Calvary's cruel cross for our sins. So he does care about sin, but we're living in the dispensation of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. So even 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 uh, one of the previous dispensations before the law, God allowed a lot of stuff past. It's the, it says so in the scripture, but now he commands all men to repent. It says, I believe it's in the book of Acts. So there are periods of time where God will, he won't be as quote unquote, let's say harsh uh, as he might be at other times. But right now we're living in the dispensation of grace. And so there are a lot of people, even in the church, who believe they can just get away with sin and God's not going to do anything about it. Such is not the case. We're living in the dispensation of grace uh, Peter even talks about how some people mock and say, you know, where's the Lord? I thought he was coming back. Uh, all things continue as they were. And then Peter answers by saying, no, what we're, we're, what we're living in is the dispensation of God's uh, indescribable patience. And that the Lord not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. So God, uh, Peter is saying, God is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but he's long suffering toward us, not willing that any perish 
but that all come to repentance. So dispensation, period of time, again, the Greek word is house management. So it has to um, have something to do with stewardship, being a steward over another's house. Remember, Jesus is, is, uh, um, um, is the head of all things. So anybody who's a steward over a church or over a ministry, that person is a steward. And Jesus talked about this in several of his parables. Uh, the parable of the talents and those, those kind of stewardship parables. And so Paul says that I am the, um, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me for you. He talked about in 1 Corinthians. Let me see if I can quickly find that scripture. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, right before he started talking about the resurrection, Paul says, uh, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. See, he received the dispensation of the gospel of grace. I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Peter, Cephas, then of the twelve, and that he was seen of above five hundred brethren of, at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. Then he says, and these are the two verses I wanted to get to, and last of all he was seen of me, Paul said, as of one born out of due time. Remember, he, he wasn't one of the original apostles. Then he says in verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles that am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. He's saying, by the grace of God, I received this dispensation, this dispensational stewardship. Yeah, I didn't receive it because I sat at Gamaliel's feet. I didn't receive it because my father was a Pharisee. I didn't receive it because I have a PhD in uh, systematic theology. Paul says, I received this this stewardship, this dispensation of God by his grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. He says, I'm, not, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. He keeps using that word grace. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. He's saying I was given a stewardship and I didn't just sit down on it and, and you know, and, and, uh, and glory in what God had done for me. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And he says, uh, it was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I. So he doesn't exalt himself. He says, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So that was 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 10. He talks about. He says, I was not even worthy. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. He says, I persecuted the church of God. I was on my way persecuting them. I was on my way with letters to Damascus, Syria, to, to further persecute the church when the Lord knocked me off of my beast and uh, called me by his grace, set me apart, sanctified me, set me apart uh, unto his work. So a dispensation of the gospel was committed to all the apostles. Dispensation, anybody who preaches and teaches God's word, God's word, a pastor, etc., a bishop, a preacher, a dispensation of the gospel has been committed to that individual. It, it, in, in, in frank terms, it just means a stewardship. 
you've been given stewardship. And then the, the question is, now what are you going to do with that stewardship that, is, that God has given unto you? All right, verse 3. Let's see what, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words. I've been reading the 119th Psalm lately. What I'll do is I'll read it, I'll meditate on it, and then I'll go back and read it again. So I've read it like five times over the last week or so. It's got 176 verses. It's the longest psalm in the Bible. And uh, it, it just constantly talks about God's word, God's word, God's word, God's commandments, God's statutes, God's precepts. But in, 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 in Psalm 119 and 130, the psalmist said something that I think relates to verse 3. Remember, Paul said in verse 3 how that by revelation, remember, we serve a God of revelation. We don't serve a, a, just a, a God who, you know, some idol where you can burn incense and chant. We serve the God, the God, the only God in the universe who gives us, uh, who can give us true revelation. The only, we serve the, I know that sounds bigoted to some people, I personally, I don't care. We serve the only God who can give us revelation of things to come, things as they are and things as they were. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will show you things to come. We call it prophecy. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. So he says in Psalm 119 and 130, let me read verse 3 again of Ephesians 3. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words. So Psalm 119 and 130 says... The entrance of thy words giveth light. This is the King James Version. The entrance of thy words giveth light. The entrance of thy words giveth light. The entrance of thy words. Remember Paul, go back to Ephesians 1. He talks about the eyes of our understanding being opened. and all. The entrance of thy words giveth light. That's why, the Satan, that's why Satan doesn't want the, the word of God to enter into us. Because... The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. It giveth understanding unto the simple. You don't have to be an erudite scholar to understand God's word. You don't have to be. Paul says so right here in Ephesians. He's going to say so in the very next verse. He's going to say, when you read, he's not speaking to a bunch of scholars, you know, a bunch of bishops, prelates, and, you know, guys with collars around their neck and you know, wearing robes of uh, ecclesiastical authority. He's speaking to the common Christian, the common Ephesian. He says, when you read, whereby when you read, he says, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Okay, so go back to verse 3 for a second. Our God is the God of all true revelation. Our God, and he has given us that revelation through his word. And when you take his word and it's coupled with his Holy Spirit, who reveals what the word means to us, we have the revelation of Jesus Christ. Genesis through revelation. We don't need to add to the book of Revelation. We don't. We don't. We don't. God who spoke in time past unto the fathers in divers ways and divers manners has now spoken to us in these last days by his son, Jesus, through whom he made all things, etc., we don't need to add another testament 
We don't need another testament. We have what we need right here. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, etc. Through Revelation. Don't ask me to quote all 66 books of the Bible. Because I didn't grow up going to Sunday school. I cannot quote all 66 books of the Bible. I might get as far as 1 Kings or something and then I'm lost. So don't ask me to do that. Alright. But Genesis through, Re Genesis through Revelation. God is a God and God's Holy Spirit will never contradict his word. So if you're saying the Holy Spirit revealed something to you and is contradicting God's word, it wasn't the Holy Spirit who revealed it unto you. All right? But our God is the God of all true revelation. All right? How does this benefit us? What is the mystery of the gospel? The mystery of the gospel is something that hadn't been revealed before. Let's see here. I think I've used this example before. It's, it's kind of like we get the word apocalypse. Apocalypse means to unveil. So if I unveil, if I pull this pen out, that, that's, that's, that's the unveiling. So both the word mystery and the word apocalypse means like, the word mystery means something that hasn't been revealed before. Something that hasn't been revealed before. The word mystery means something, it, it, it doesn't mean how you got to be a 33rd degree you know, mason or eastern star or you got to have some special knowledge. See, there were people who, 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 who tried to infiltrate the church with that that you had to have some kind of special knowledge, the Gnostics, you had to have some kind of special knowledge to understand God. No. Paul says to these Ephesians who had once been pagans, he says, when you read, he says, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote before in few words. Mystery is something that hadn't, it hadn't been revealed before. Remember Jesus said, and he said, he said to his disciples, he said, there were many prophets and kings who desired to know what you know, and, and, and they didn't, they, 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 the prophets and the kings in the Old Testament, the prophets, the wise men, the, the holy men and women of God, they had a lot of revelation about the kingdom, etc., but they didn't have the revelation of the church. They had a revelation that the Gentiles would be brought in and, and eventually be saved, etc. They had that revelation, but they saw through a glass darkly. They didn't have the revelation of the church. That's what, that's what Paul is talking about right here, the mystery of the gospel, the revelation of the church, where Christ is the head and the church is the body and Jew and Gentile come together as one. So he says in verse 4, whereby he says, when you read, you speak into common people here, when you read. Again, you, you don't, you don't, um, you don't, you don't, I know people who have no theological education. They run rings around me when it comes to, you know, what, what the Bible um, teaches. So when Paul says, read. <laughs> Paul says, when you read. He didn't say when you read and go to seminary. He said, when you read, read. He says, when you read. He says, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. He says, you got to read though. If you don't read, it's not going to come to you by osmosis. It's not going to come to you by, and he's speaking to people who didn't have the Bibles that we have today. There might've been one scroll circulating through the whole town. One scroll. They didn't have the, I've got one, two, three, four, five. I got five books. I got five Bibles sitting right here and about, I've got, I'm counting about six, seven Bibles sitting over there. I'm about to move, so I'm packing up. But I've got like five Bibles sitting here, about seven Bibles sitting over there. But you didn't have that in this day. You might have a, you have a scroll. 
and the scroll had to be circulated. The printing press had not yet been invented, etc. But he says, when you read, you will understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. All right. The Holy Apostle uh, declares that by reading, we'll understand the mystery of the gospel. This causes us to rejoice because it reveals to us that the gospel is meant for all, not a select elite few. The gospel is not meant for a select. And that was the problem the Catholic Church had years ago. They had the mass in Latin. If you didn't understand Latin, you were, you were in bad shape. And most people didn't understand Latin. So the priest could tell you anything. Young, you know, he could be telling you. And so that led to clergy abuse, etc. Because now they had a power over the people because they were speaking Latin. And only the scholars knew Latin. And thank God he came along and, and the Bible was eventually translated into English, etc. But Paul says, when you read, the problem is, the problem is, here comes a mild rebuke. The problem is, many of us won't read the Bible. Christians, we won't read the Bible. Well, we've got all these Bibles. We've got electronic Bibles. We've got all these Bibles. Many Christians. And I'll even say this, according to research surveys, many pastors don't re really read the Bible. Now that's... Now, now you're getting into some serious water here when the pastors don't read the Bible, but maybe a few minutes a week. I guess maybe some of them get so busy with being on this committee and that committee and, and this, this political, you know, whatever. You know, when a pastor is not reading the word, you're in trouble. When the pastor is not reading the word, I'm talking about, I don't mean just, you know, oh, let me, okay, okay, like five minutes before he or she is going to go out to preach. I'm talking about spending time with the Lord in devotion. Paul says, when you read, you'll understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. All right, verse 5. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. You see that? He's, he's saying the same thing really that Jesus said. Jesus said it in Matthew 13, 17 and Luke 10, 24. He said, prophets and holy men desire to know the things that y'all know. And, and, and they didn't know them. See, God has a fullness of time for everything. As much as God loved Daniel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Habakkuk, Nahum, Hosea, Abraham, they didn't have a lot of the stuff that we know today they, they, it, because it wasn't time for that to be revealed. But in God, you know God loved Daniel, greatly beloved. The angel even told Daniel, you're greatly beloved of God. Daniel didn't have the revelation of the church. He had the revelation, and there's some serious prophecies in the book of Daniel, though. I mean, some of the most important prophecies in the Bible are in Daniel. Daniel's 70 weeks, the time of the end, Jacob's trouble. There's some very serious prophecies in the book of Daniel. But, Dan, but, but to, Daniel was not, was, to Daniel was not revealed the mystery of the church because it wasn't the fullness of time yet. All right, so... Let me see. Thank you, babe. Appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Close the door. Thank you. Yeah. And Daniel, you know, again, serious prophecies in Isaiah. I mean, you know, serious prophecies, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, you know, the valley of the dry bones. Serious prophecies in, in Hosea, Nahum, Zephaniah. Serious prophecies in Zechariah. I mean, you know, prophecies of the Lord when he would ride into Jerusalem, and, you know, and, and uh, uh, what we call Palm Sunday. That's in Zechariah. Behold, your king cometh riding on a colt, the foal of an ass and all that. You know, he cometh, you know, uh, that's in Zechariah, but not the mystery of the church. 
So Paul says in verse five, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets. So he's talking about New Testament prophets here. As it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets. How? By the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the revelator. The Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, we don't have the revelation of Jesus Christ. The same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. Without the Holy Spirit, we don't have the revelation of Jesus Christ. I don't care how many collars you got on. I don't care how many degrees you have. Remember Jesus went into the temple at age 12? <laughs> he was asking them questions. and they were, well, I don't care how many. Um, uh, uh, it, it, the revelation from God comes by the Holy Spirit. Come here, Peter. Come here, apostles. Who do men say that I am? Well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Ezekiel, Isaiah, Abraham, John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Again, reincarnation of John the Baptist. Well, who do you say that I am? The church. Peter said, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. You are Yeshua HaMashiach. Before Peter could pat himself on the back, Jesus said, flesh and blood. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. You didn't, you didn't get this revelation because you're Jewish. You didn't get this revelation just because you have the title apostle. You didn't get this revelation uh, because uh, you're Galilean. But my father in heaven revealed that unto you. How, how, did, how did John the Baptist know that even though they were blood cousins, how did John the Baptist know that Jesus was Messiah? Because the Lord had told him, upon whom you see the Holy Spirit descend and remain upon him, the same as he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And John said, I saw and I bear witness. So when John saw the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus at that baptism, when John baptized him, when John saw the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus and remain upon him, the Father had said that, that he's, he's the one. He's, he's the Messiah. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. Hallelujah. All right, so verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now. See, that's, that's God's fullness of time. In the fullness of time, God does things. And we can't change it. You can't hurry God. You know, if you can't hurry love, you can't hurry God. <laughs> you can't hurry God. I don't care what formulas people give you. You're not going to hurry God. You're not gonna, you cannot manipulate God. How dare we think we can manipulate God? Uppercase G-O-D. I'm not talking about these gods that we've created. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot manipulate. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. O oh Lord, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? It's not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father has set in his own power. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See that? It's not for you to know, Jesus said, the times or the seasons, which the Father has set in his own power. See that? God has a fullness of time which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit. All right? So let me read that note here on verse 5, then we'll do verse 6. We are blessed because we are the recipients. We are blessed because we are the recipients of the mystery. We're blessed because we are the recipients of the mystery. We're but. You gotta, you, Paul said, but you gotta read. 
When you read, Paul said, when you read, glory, you understand the knowledge of the mystery. The average Christian couldn't tell you what the book of Romans is about. You, now, you can't really understand your Christianity if you don't understand Romans. The average Christian has never read the, 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 um, the, the entire Bible, even the entire New Testament. The average Christian couldn't tell you uh, the main ideas of the book of Hebrews. Now, you think I'm being harsh, but I'm telling you, Paul said, when you read, you'll understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Most people, church or unchurched, have never read the book of Revelation. The apocalypse, the unfolding of God's final plan. How dare we, how dare we say that we love the Lord and we're walking with the Lord and we want to know more about the Lord and we've never read the apocalypse. You've never read the book of Revelation. You've never read the book of Hebrews. You've never read Romans. You've never read John. Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Philemon. James, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts, Romans, Galatians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Paul says when you read, meaning if you don't read, you're not going to understand the mystery. You're not going to get it. Just like anything else, if you really want to understand something, you have to read the manual. You have to read the manual to really understand it. You, you, you bought a new uh, TV, you want to put it together, you, you, you need to read the manual. Or pay somebody else $100 to do it. Paul said in verse 4, when you read, and he's speaking again, he's speaking to the common people. He's not, he's not sitting before an ecclesiastical body, you know, of great bishops and apostles. And he, he's not at the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. He's not at the Council of Nicaea. He's not at one of these great councils that they had. He's speaking to common Christians who had been pagans. He said, you in verse uh, 1, chapter 2, you have he quickened, you were dead in trespasses and sin. In time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, the, the prince of the power of the air. He's speaking to common people who had just come out of, uh, of uh, uh, satanic paganism. But he says, when you read, because they now have become saved, and they have been given the Holy Spirit because all Christians have the Holy Spirit. All Christians have the Holy Spirit. All Christians have the Holy Spirit. Now he says, now you have the Holy Spirit, you have the revelator, you have the revealer of God's truth. Now you got to read. I don't understand. I do to a certain extent, but I don't understand why won't we as Christians, <coughs> excuse me, why won't we as Christians read the Bible? I don't understand that. Why won't we read the Bible? We'll binge on Netflix. I binge on Law and Order. I've got Law and Order on right now. It's on mute. <laughs> but I, I binge on Law and Order. But it's not going to stop me from spending an appreciable amount of time in God's Word. So, you know, there's no sin in binging. But you can't binge on certain things and not spend time with God. I got Law and Order on right now. It's on mute. And it, uh, with this episode, I've seen 29 times. <laughs> you know, Law and Order just plays the same episodes over and over. The same 300, 400 episodes over and over. And I watch, you know. But my point is, why won't we read God's Word? How, how, can, we, how can we function as the body of Christ in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation 
uh, crooked, a crooked and perverse nation, Paul said, a crooked and perverse world that's in the uh, grip of the, of, the, of the evil one, John said. How can we function as the body of Christ? And we won't spend time in God's word. I mean, I mean, spend time in God's word. Paul says, when you read, you'll understand. Now, you're not going to understand it all at once. Because God doesn't reveal all at once. But he reveals progressively. Progressive revelation. But how can we say we are the body of Christ and we love the Lord? How can we as preachers, now I'm not a pastor, how can a pastor not spend time in God's word? appreciable amount of time. How can you lead God's people and you're not spending time in God's word? You're spending five minutes. You, you should see some of the research, some of the surveys that, that talk about the time that pastors spend in, in the word of God. How can you lead God's people and you don't know what the book says or you barely know what the book says? It shouldn't be. It's wrong. It's sin. All right. Okay, let me, let me see if I can uh, finish here in Ephesians. All right, so verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Okay, so we are blessed because we are the recipients of the mystery, not even revealed to the ancient prophets, kings, queens, and wise men. I told you Matthew 13, 17, and Luke 10, 24. All right. Notice to whom the revelation was initially given, the holy foundation of the church, the apostles and the prophets. Because if you go back to chapter 2, if you go back to uh, chapter 2, at the end of chapter 2, Paul said, you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. So we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Notice in verse 5, who that revelation was given to, his holy apostles and prophets, the foundation of the church. Nevertheless, the foundation stands assured. Having this seal, quote, the Lord knows those who are his. Right? All right. Let me finish here. Let's see. Verse 6. Hold on. I've got something else to say about verse 5. Notice who's the revealer, the blessed Holy Spirit. I cannot emphasize that enough. The Holy Spirit is the only revealer of God's truth. The Holy Spirit is the only revealer of God's truth. When I say Holy Spirit, I'm saying Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, I'm not preaching one that's Pentecostalism there. I believe in the Trinity. But what I'm saying is someone in the Trinity has to reveal God's truth. The, the Holy Spirit, the, the primary, one of the primary ministries of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the truth of God. Truth of God cannot come outside of the, the truth of God, whether it was the Old Testament revelation or New Testament revelation, cannot come outside of the Lord. Church tradition, that's my point. There's a saying, uh, uh, sola, sola scriptura, scripture only. You cannot reveal God's truth outside of the revealed scripture as the Holy Spirit has revealed scripture to us. If you try to replace scripture with church tradition, you're in error. That was the main fight that Jesus had to deal with. His critics had replaced the, 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 the word of God, the, uh, 
the, the writings, the prophets, the law, they had superseded it with their own traditions. And that's why Jesus had to rebuke them. You draw near unto me with your mouth, but your hearts are far from me. And for, and, and, and for the commandments of God, Jesus said, you teach the traditions of men. We have that today. There, there, are, there are churches that have tradition that, that's superior to God's word. They may not admit it, but they have traditions that are superior to God's word. No tradition of men, no tradition of church, no tradition. No, now, all traditions are not bad, but no tradition can supersede God's word. That's my only point. No tradition can supersede God's word and be correct. No tradition. There's nothing wrong with some traditions. Paul said in another place, hold fast the traditions you've been taught, whether by word or this epistle. Notice, he, 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 tradition can never supersede God's word. If you have tradition superseding God's word, you're in error because you're, you're replacing God. Ego, you're edging God out. And you can't do that. You're in error. The enemy, you're going to give the enemy all kind of, all kind of uh, um, um, leeway. All right, so notice who is the revealer, the blessed Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to reveal God's will to the church. Without the Holy Spirit, there's, you, how do we know the will of God without the Holy Spirit? You can't. It's impossible. Without the Spirit's revelation, insight, Revelatory insight, excuse me, there would be no revelation to the church and thus no church. I quoted you about what Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this unto you, but my father in heaven. Someone in the Holy Trinity has to reveal the truth to us. It, it, any, any revelation outside of, the Holy, uh, outside of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and or Holy Spirit is an error. Because once you get outside of the Trinity... Once you get outside of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, now you're getting into spirits that are not of God. Now you're getting into satanic spirits. You're getting into demonic spirits. You're getting into cults. You're getting into cults which add another testament of Jesus Christ. What? Another testament of Jesus Christ? What, what are you talking about? John said in Revelation chapter 22, it's finished. <laughs> the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So be it. That's it. What do you mean another testament of Jesus Christ? What are, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? No. No. All right. Let me, let me move on here. Verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. There Paul is again reminding these Gentiles that y'all in the family now. He said that in chapter 2. You're, 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 you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, the holy ones, and of the household of God. So he makes that point again in verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body. So the main uh, theme of Ephesians is the unity of believers. Of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, by the good news. Let me read it again. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. He's reminding these Gentiles you're in the family. At one time you go back to chapter 2, you were pagans you were, you were dead in trespasses and sins, you walked according to the course of this world, you were worshipping idols you were into all kind of perversions Ephesians 2 and 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love he loved us even when we were dead in sins. 
by grace ye are saved. God's riches at Christ's expense. So the Holy Apostle then returns to a popular Ephesian theme, the inclusion. You know, people talk about the gospel of inclusion. This is the gospel of inclusion. This is the, this is the gospel of inclusion. Somebody tell Carlton Pearson, this is the gospel of inclusion right here, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. This is not universalism. This is not Unitarianism. This is that the Gentiles, though they were not part of the covenant, they were not part of the Abrahamic covenant, the Palestinian land covenant, the, the, the Davidic covenant. They were not part of these covenants that God gave to the Jews. They were not part of the worship in the temple unless they were a proselyte. You had to be a proselyte, a Gentile, a Gentile who, who, who came under Jewish law and authority. And even that Gentile, there were certain things that, that even that Gentile couldn't do. There were certain places in the temple that Gentile couldn't go. But now Paul is saying, now that, the, now that the Jewish temple in Jerusalem is no longer the focus of worship, we are the temple of God, for the Spirit of God dwells within us. Now he said this right here before the Jewish temple was destroyed. The Jewish temple was destroyed in 70 AD by Titus and the Roman legions. And when the Jewish temple was destroyed, so were the genealogies. So now the Jewish temple has been destroyed. And he's saying, even before it was destroyed, he's saying, we are the temple of God. We are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. He's saying, Gentiles, you are fellow heirs. You're, you're heirs, you're fellow heirs. Come on in. You're part of the family. The price has been paid through Jesus Christ, what he did at the cross, and the fact that God raised him from the dead. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. And of the same body, there's one body. He's going to say in chapter 4, there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism. He's preaching that unity. Remember I said the cross is vertical. It reconciles God to man. The cross is horizontal. It reconciles, it's supposed to reconcile man to his fellow man through Jesus Christ. So he, he says that in verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ. How? By the law? No. By the gospel. We fulfill the law. We fulfill the law through trusting in what Jesus did on the cross and the fact that God raised him from the dead, according to Romans 10 and 9. All right. So the Holy Apostle then returns to a popular Ephesian theme, the inclusion of the, that's, that's the gospel of inclusion. All that other stuff, that, that, that's, that's, that's heresy. This is the true gospel of inclusion right here. The, the gospel of inclusion says, whosoever will, let him come. But if you don't come, you're not included. If I invite you to my party, my get-together, and you don't come, then you're not, you're not, you're not part of the, uh, of, the, of the party, if you will. If I invite you to, to the reading of my will, and I die, and, and there's a reading of my will, my testament, and you don't show up to claim, let's say I left you... Uh, my classic 1950 Mercedes-Benz, you don't show up, then you're not going to be able to claim that 1950 classic Mercedes-Benz. So the gospel, this is the gospel of inclusion right here. This is the biblical gospel of inclusion. That, that other stuff that Carlton Pearson is talking about and universalism, Unitarianism, that's not biblical. Saying that everybody's saved, the atheist is saved, the Muslim is saved. The Sikh is saved. The Hindu is saved. Everybody's saved. 
Everybody's not saved. Only those who trusted in what Christ did at the cross and the fact that God bodily raised him from the dead, they are saved. That's the gospel of inclusion. That's what Paul is talking about in verse 6 here. The holy apostle then returns to a popular Ephesian theme. The inclusion of the pagan Gentiles. You were pagans. You were caught up. I'm, I'm studying Romans right now. Read Romans chapter 1. You were, you were caught up in all kind of mess, right? The holy apostle then returns to a popular Ephesian theme. The inclusion of the pagan Gentiles into God's eternal plan of the same body. Not a Jewish body, not a Gentile body. That's what Jesus was telling the woman at the well. The day is coming when you shall neither in Mount Gerizim, in Samaria, nor in Jerusalem. He might have been prophesying the destruction of Jerusalem without saying he was prophesying the destruction of Jerusalem. Jesus may have been making an allusion to that. I don't know. But he said to that Samaritan woman, because she wanted to get into, you know, our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you Jews say in Jerusalem is where we ought to worship. Jesus said, the day is coming. So he's prophesying. Remember, Jesus had the Holy Spirit in his fullness. So when he prophesied, you know, you, you could just, you know, you just better sit down and accept it. The day is coming when you shall neither in Mount Gerizim, in Samaria, nor in Jerusalem, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it here. Please forgive me if I'm wrong. The day is coming when you shall neither in Samaria nor in Jerusalem. It won't be the focus is what he's saying. Worship the Father. Let me, I, want to, I want to quote it correctly. I don't want to get it out of context here. Here it is. John 4, 21. Jesus said unto her, woman. <laughs> it took woman, right? Believe me, the hour cometh. When you shall neither in this mountain, Mount Gerizim in Samaria, nor yet at Jerusalem, worship the Father. You ye know ye worship ye, King James, ye worship ye know not. What? We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit. And in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he's going to straighten everything out. Jesus said, <coughs> glory to the Lamb of God. But Paul says right here that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. That would be me. If you're not Jewish, he's talking to us by extension and of the same body and partakers of, the, of his promise in Christ by the gospel. All right, last verse, verse seven, and then we'll, we'll stop here. Whereof, Paul says, I was made a minister according to the gift. Remember he said in 1 Corinthians, by the grace of God, I am what I am, right? According to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power, not by might, Paul says, not by power, not because my daddy was a Pharisee and I'm the son of a Pharisee, not because I sat at Gamaliel's feet, not because I have a PhD in systematic theology, not because I hung out with a bunch of Pharisees, no, not by my power, nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It's the Holy Spirit who revealed Jesus Christ unto Paul. 
Jesus, Paul was, Paul was on his way to Damascus to, to kill some, to get permission to kill some more Christians. And Jesus uh, knocked him off his beast. The, the light that shone was the Shekinah glory. Blinded Paul. He had, a, he had to have a cornea, a cornea transplant. Glory to the Lamb of God. Blinded him. Hallelujah. Glory. Blinded him, but gave him the, the, the most important sight. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the prick. But Lord, what would you have me to do? And from there, we have the man who wrote half the New Testament because he received the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right, verse 7, and we're done. Did I read it? I believe I read it. Yep. The holy apostle has the important humility. He says, I'm do, I'm, he says, and I believe in my heart of hearts that the Lord allowed Paul to persecute the church as Saul. Because he knew that when he saved him, that would be part of his testimony. Remember he said in 1 Corinthians 15, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm not even worthy. He said, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. He, he never allowed Paul to forget that, not to hang condemnation over him, but it was his testimony. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. I, I persecuted the apostles. I, I was there when they stoned Stephen. They laid their bloody clothes at my feet. I was, I was guilty of conspiracy of murder. Paul saying, I should have gone to jail. I had a prison record. By the grace of God, I am what I am. The holy apostle has the important humility to realize that both his eternal salvation and his ministry are gifts of God's grace. Whatever we have from God, whether it be ministry or whatever it is, it's a gift of God's grace. G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Gifts of God's grace. I love the humility that Paul had. This man was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. He wrote half the New Testament. Yet, one reason God allowed him to suffer well, so he wouldn't get a bad case of the big head. The Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient. I'm not taking this away from you. Because for me to use you the way I want to use you, you're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to keep this infirmity uh, in you because you'll get a bad case of the big head. And then I'm going to have to, you know, deal with you from there. So the apostle, the holy apostle, and they were, and they were done. The Holy Apostle has the important humility to realize that both his eternal salvation, by grace we're saved, right, and his ministry are gifts of God's grace. Gifts that are, in, that are an unmistakable display of God's eternal power. Let me read that verse again and we're done. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. Listen to this. Given unto me as stewardship, as a dispensation, right? House management. Given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Not my power. His power. All right, so that's Ephesians 3, 1 through 7. Uh, chapter 3 has 21 verses. So let's see if on Sunday at 11 a.m. Oh, I love that verse 14. Hallelujah. Uh, let's see, let's see, that was one through seven. Uh, yeah, we'll see what we can cover. Let me read it to you. 
Let me read 8 through... Oh, Lord. Oh, wow. I want to read the whole rest of the third chapter. Let me read it. We got a little time here. Verse 8. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in, in God, who created, come here, come here, come here. Uh, uh, to make all men see. Go over there. Go ahead. Uh, let's see. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he has purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith in him, of him. Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause, I love this verse here. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a, well, I call it a praise break. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him, it's a benediction. Now unto him that is able, it's another praise break, really, but it's a benediction. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. He keeps talking about that effectual working of the power in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bless you, we thank you, just for the privilege of mentioning your name, the name of your dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion, both now and forever. Lord, we pray that you'll bless your people. We pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would minister according to your good, acceptable, and perfect will that you'll save the lost, and that you'll strengthen the believers. We, we, praise, we praise you that you're holding your church together, which is the body of your dear son, Jesus. We bless you and praise you that only you, Lord, can hold the church together in these perilous times of pandemic. We thank you, Lord, through Jesus Christ, your dear son. We thank you just for allowing us the privilege of mentioning your name, the name of your dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to whom be glory, power, all majesty, in all dominion, both now and forever, we pray that fruit and gifts of the Holy Spirit would be manifested as a result of this teaching and preaching and teaching all over the world. By Jesus Christ, Lord, we pray and we are grateful for all things. Bless us, Lord. Bless us and bless us and help us to be a blessing to others. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you. If you're not already obligated, join us on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. For another, uh, for the second installment, second weekly installment of the truth of the gospel, we will continue in Ephesians chapter three. There are um, 
14 more verses. We're not going to cover all 14 in one uh, uh, session, but we'll see if we can cover, you know, at least another six or seven or eight or something like that. All right. God bless you, my beloved. Be strong. Keep your mask on. You see these? Nobody wanted to wear a mask. Remember that? Mother's Day and, and uh, nobody was, you know, people didn't, I'm not going to say nobody, but people didn't, people listening to the president know it all. And now we're, we're, 